Welcome to Between Life and Money, Finding Balance with Jeffrey Panic from Balance Wealth Partners. In this space, we're keeping it real about money, unraveling the intricacies of spending and investing and making it all about you. Dive into the journey of striking the perfect balance between enjoying the now and preparing for what's next. Money talk might seem complex, but we're here to simplify it. Join us as we, along with experienced guests, are planning for more than retirement. We are planning for life. Welcome to the Between Life and Money podcast with Jeff Panic. Jeff, good to see you. Although, given today's topic, I'm not sure maybe I should be all that certain it's really you. Exactly. You know, identity theft and fraud, if it hasn't been an issue for you already, it's certainly something that you'd want to try to get ahead of. And even if you try, it doesn't always mean that you do. And it's something that there's been several several studies. And and one of the studies said that one in three Americans through Proofpoint had already been a victim of identity Mm. theft. And, and believe it or not, but that's more than double globally. And unfortunately, a lot of times the victims don't know that their, you know, their victim or their, their identity has been compromised for right. years. And that, no, I know, I, I know. And it's like, I think part of the problem here, Jeff, is that a lot of people just think they're immune to it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I could sit here, you and I could probably sit here and trade story after story after story of, of really good people who, you know, suddenly found out wait a minute, something's not right here. Exactly. And, and it was yeah. too late at that point, as you as you just said. And, and you know, I mean, I can use the example of a client, a couple of clients that I have. They don't have a computer. They don't have smartphones. You know, they thought because they didn't really have an online presence yeah. and they didn't have the computers that they weren't really at risk. And, you know, like a lot of people, uh, they received something from their doctor's office saying that their identities were compromised. And then you go into completely reactive uh, state and reactive motion to try to fix potential damage as opposed to getting a, getting ahead of it. Just really quickly, here's an example. I had a friend of mine who uh, at the time was a Secret Service agent. And if you'll cast your mind back to a few years ago, remember that giant data breach. Mm-hmm. He, having done nothing, all his personal information stored in a government computer was hacked, sold off. And it was a huge scandal, and it was massively inconvenient for him. And this couple, I hesitate to ask what happened to them. I, I hope they've got things resolved by now and learned their lesson. But it's uh, it's very difficult, and you know, it's a question of how much time does anyone have to sort these things out. Yeah. And there's been a few studies. Aurora did a study, and they say the average. It takes about 150 to 200 hours to sort out if you become a victim of identity theft. And, you know, that's not even counting the cost, which can be very significant. And kind of like we talked about before, you know, the longer that the theft goes on in terms of being undiscovered, the much more expensive and more difficult it is to get sorted out. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you one last example and then we can get into how we can stop this because I'm I'm determined that people understand this is a serious issue. Uh, Years ago, when I was a reporter, we did a story about a woman who who had her social security number stolen. She didn't realize that it was stolen in a data breach. And she learned about it when she filed her taxes and the IRS reached out to her and said, you underreported your taxes. And she was like, no, I did not. What are you talking about? And the IRS suddenly presented her with all kinds of unreported income on her social security number that she did not know about, had no idea of. It was not hers. 
and it caused her massive headaches and it went on for years. So for you people listening who think I'm immune to this stuff, this is kind of a, you know, a, a distant problem for me. It's not, it's not. And as Jeff is about to do for us here, he can walk us through some things we all should be doing and can do to help minimize that threat. Exactly. And I mean, really, it's just not you, it's your family. I mean, surprisingly enough, children are probably the largest group of victims and the elderly of identity theft, mainly because they're, they don't really apply for credit for years. And so the identity thieves can get in there and really take advantage without their uh, theft being identified. Wow. And so it's it's a real problem. It's only getting worse. And as you mentioned, uh, it's it comes at you from a you know, numerous directions. And, and we're, today we're going to talk about five, really five ways or five main points. There's okay. probably certainly others, but these are kind of as stepping stones. And, you know, it's kind of like we talked about before or talked about the main thing is, you know, you don't want to take a weekend and try to do all of this at one time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's more of a process like anything. Uh, but by taking these steps, you can really reduce the potential of having uh, your identity taken or someone that you care about. So where do we start? The first thing you have to do is make sure that you're not a victim already. And really, the first way to do that would be to check your credit report and your file with the three credit bureaus. That's uh, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. And that's really the first step. Uh, one of the ways that you can do it really at no cost, a few years ago, Congress required that there was a website set up called annualcreditreport.com. Okay. That allows you to get a free credit report from all three credit agencies, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. And it also allows you, you could go in and have your fam family members do this as well. But that will make sure that you can go through your credit report and make sure there's nothing unusual and make sure everything is accurate. By doing that, you'll make sure that you can, again, fix anything or any issues, as well as understanding what the next steps are. What was that website again, Jeff? Sure. It's www.annualcreditreport.com. And it's free, right? You, it's free. There and it's free. Correct. So it's free. You, you can go once a year and request a report. I, I would suggest everyone do that. I think it's very important because it really gives you a good idea, even with the balances to make sure, you know, if you have an auto balance, if you have a home loan, if yeah. you have credit cards, to make sure they're all accurate and in line and something isn't being misreported incorrectly. And that's just a simple error. You know, we're talking here more about theft and, and some of the some of the identity issues that yeah. come along with that. Well, you know, it's interesting because more it's becoming more and more common. Like some credit card companies, and I, I know my bank uh, routinely sends me a thing saying, nothing seems awry with your credit. This is your credit score. So it seems like we, <laughs> the people, the individuals, are, are getting some help or more help these days from credit card companies and banks. Exactly. I mean, the, the big issue that I mentioned before is really with children as well as the elderly. And, mm. and there was a study done by Javelin that said that over, and it's hard to believe, but over 1.25 million children in the U.S. a year, year their identities are uh, taken uh, by thieves. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty remarkable. And, and in a lot of cases, it takes many years later to find out that there's even an issue. And yeah, so you know, I can I can believe that, actually, because like a lot of kids, well, a lot of parents 
get social security numbers for their kids so that relatives can set up, you know, like a bank account or whatever that they can put money in for them. And, uh, you know, so it's becoming more and more common for kids under a year of age to have a social security number. Exactly. So it's very, you know, the information's out there. We're going to talk about that a little bit later as well. You know, whether they're in they're in daycare, whether they're at school at the doctor's office, their social security numbers and dates of birth are out there. And it doesn't take much for an identity thief to really manipulate it. Understanding what they understand is the fact that the banks, credit, all these groups aren't really looking out because they don't have accounts for uh, issues. And so it really could create a real cascade of issues, especially at the worst time when potentially they're looking to take out, you know, whether they have to take out student loans, whether they need to get a car or a home loan, you know, having this issue is huge, especially, and even if you're, you know, if they're getting ready to apply for a job, you know, a lot of most employers run your credit. And so it could be a real issue. And so there are some extra steps dealing with children, whether it be a credit freeze, which we're going to talk about in a minute, or requesting a credit report, but it's well worth it. And kind of like I mentioned before, the next step would be to freeze your credit. It's very common. You don't want to freeze. Under what circumstances would uh, someone want to freeze their credit, Joe? So my suggestion would be for everyone to freeze their credit. I think it's extremely important. What it allows, it doesn't mean that you can never do anything with your credit. You can't open accounts. What you can always do a temporary unfreeze, but what it really allows you to do is have the peace of mind at knowing that no one can open up an account uh, because your credit's frozen unless it's unfrozen. And so that gets back to going to each of the credit union websites, TransUnion, Experian, Equifax, setting up a credit freeze for each, setting up a unique password and PIN that's not easily guessable, because that's the other issue. You know, if you put in password one, two, three, uh, somebody could potentially guess that, unfreeze your credit, and then open credit in your name, which can, kind of defeats the whole purpose. Mm-hmm. And you know, I also tell people if your credit is frozen and you go to someone, whether it's you know you're moving and you need to get new service or you want to get new cable or yeah. internet. Uh, they'll run your credit. A good practice is just to ask the person or the group company running your credit who they're going to use to run it. And that way you can, you don't have to unfreeze all three. Uh, and the other step is to do a temporary freeze. You just don't want to sh- unfreeze it and just forget about it. You can put on a schedule to say, well, yeah, I'm going to have this run today or tomorrow, and then I want it to come back on. Okay. So freezing your credit is not like if you freeze your credit card, you still have a credit. You can still apply for credit card, but the reporting agencies, the credit are are aware that there's extra steps involved. Yeah, there, there's extra security uh, on your on your credit file, yeah. so that nothing can nothing really nothing can be open on that because it's frozen, and you have to yeah. unfreeze in order to have any new even have someone run your credit. And so it's important to do that because that takes away a lot of the risk of someone opening a new account in your name uh, or taking advantage and, and and you becoming a victim. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, so checking your credit reports, the first step, what's next? So the next would be really to improve your computer and password security. And, you know, I, I use the example of your telephone, which is now a smartphone, your computer. It's a computer. 
computer, <laughs> your iPad, whatever devices you use, you're probably using them. You know, unfortunately, I say they're they're kind of glued to you. And in a lot of instances, you're using them probably eight to ten hours a day, in some cases, even more. Uh, so you know, typically you're going to be accessing websites where your personal information is resides, your banking, insurance, or even your social profiles. Yeah. And that increases risk. It's interesting, and this is not a snarky comment. You talked about using the password, password one, two, three. I actually was shocked to learn that that is the number one password <laughs> that people use. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing, but wait, people, that's not security. No, and that's and that's been that's been found also with a lot of the smartphones. The most common password is no password or one, two, three, four. Yeah. Uh, and that that's just, you know, obviously a real problem as it relates to someone getting your information. And, and if you look at your smartphone as an example, if they can get in there, they pretty much have most of your information, including access to your email. Yeah. Well, you know, there are two, two things here that come to mind. One is, uh, this is a personal practice of mine for financially sensitive sites. I never save my password to the phone. I, mm -hmm. I, it's not in my password manager. It's not, it's not saved on the phone. I just, I, because I don't trust that if someone hacks into it, they, they're not going to get that, that, you know, I don't want to immediately grant them access to financially sensitive sites. Right. And, and second is the password managers on phones are pretty good for most mm -hmm. sites there. They, they will save an incredibly complicated password uh, so that good passwords and good password security are just paramount. Exactly. I mean, I think it's extremely important. And, you know, you mentioned the password manager and, and it's a great way to save your passwords, make unique passwords. And, and even if you want to have the same password for every website, it's virtually impossible because a lot of the websites now will require different numbers, mm. different symbols, you know, different amounts of uh, password digits in order to uh, complete the registration process. So, you know, in a lot of cases, there, you could get 100,000. I mean, it's, it's incredible the amount of, of, of just websites, username, password information that you have. So to think that you could just use all one, you just can't. And if you, you know, look at putting it on just, just on a sticky note or, you know, in, in, a, in a book, <laughs> it really creates a whole lot of problems in terms of someone getting access to that information. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, the benefit really of the password manager is, you know, it's secure. You obviously, I always say the one thing you don't want to do with the password manager is make the password to the password manager password one, two, three. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you really want to make that unique. And I also yeah. tell people, you know, whoever you're, you have as your power of attorney or the person that's your emergency contact, you want to make sure the password manager's password is with your emergency documents. Good point. Because if something happens to you, you know, there's no way for anyone to get access to any of that. And that's primarily, you know, your password manager is where most of the documents are stored. Yeah, really, really good point. Thanks so much for listening to Between Life and Money, Finding Balance. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.balancewealthpartners.com and through all our social media platforms that are listed in the show notes. So we check our credit scores. We review them. We can do that for free once a year. 
for bank or credit card companies do it, that's great because we can just stay on top of it and we can freeze our credit if we, you know, which is a pretty good practice. We can work on our password security. This sounds pretty good so far. These are all very doable steps. Mm -hmm. So what's next? So next seems pretty obvious, but it's it's easier said than done a lot of times with the way everything comes at you in life. Uh, you just want to make sure your physical documents are secure and you try to limit the data that is provided. Mm. Uh, and what I mean by that is with your birth certificates, your social security card, you know, any other personal information, and even I'll use the example of your social security statement that you get in the mail sometimes, uh, you want to make sure you place those sensitive documents in a safety deposit box, in a home safe, or a locked filing cabinet. Yeah. You know, you should also consider those being fireproof. Uh, and you know what you really want to do is limit the access to that to those documents. And you know there was a Javelin study that I mentioned I think before, and yep. it showed that over seventy percent of child identity victims they actually knew the criminals, and the criminals more than likely got the information because it was you know not stored securely. Wow. Oh, the butler did it. Only the uncle did it. Or <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're cleaning. It's, it's, there's just the information's out there. Even if you go, you know, you sit in the car and sometimes I always say a good practice is to go through your car glove box and a lot of the areas in your car, because yeah. you'd be somewhat frightened to see some of the information that is just in there that you just have put in there that have forgot. And it's just very easy to do that with life going from place to place to place. But you just want to make sure that the, the documents are safe. And there's really not an issue there. And, you know, that gets into a secondary point with this. You want to really try to minimize the information that you provide. And, you know, whether it's children or even parents that you may have your parents that you have to take care of, yeah. uh, whether they go to daycare, whether they go to the doctor, you know, there's constantly asking for the dates of birth, social security and driver, you know, driver's license information in some case. So yeah. it's important to really ask all those providers if you can just provide the last four rather than the whole social security number, or if there's an alternative means. Very good point. That's great. What about, you know, I get a lot of, it's funny. I don't, I don't get a lot of mail from anybody I know. Nobody mails me anymore. Well, that's not true. There's like two people that I get two pieces of mail from a year. You know, I know people that don't check their mailbox for days at a time. Exactly. Because all you expect really is junk. And yeah. it's kind of like a going through, it's like a scavenger hunt to find anything that's of any, you know, that you can of any interest or value because it's kind of all the same, you know, it's offers that you don't want and things that you already know and, and that you prefer not to look at. So and, what do I do about that? Yeah. So, I mean, really, you know, the step four seems obvious, but it's not as obvious as you may think. It's it's just, as you mentioned, you want to collect your mail daily and you always want to shred documents. And it also, finally, kind of like you mentioned, additionally to collecting the mail daily, you want to opt out of all junk and credit card offers. And, and most people aren't even aware that you can even do that. So really, in this step, we're going to talk about those pieces. Oh, and I, I Honestly, I did not know that you could uh, opt out of. Exactly. And, you know, those offers, if they fall in the wrong hand, can create a whole uh, Pandora's box of issues for you down the road. And really kind of like we're talking about, I mean, the mail is really a gold mine for identity thieves. And what you want to try to do is manage it the best you can. And, and one of the most important ways is to make sure your mailbox is locked. You know, don't put, if you're sending, if you have to send to the water company or the utility a check, 
just don't put it in your mailbox and put the put the little stick up so that someone, yeah. you know, mail person can pick it up. If somebody easily drive by and just grab that, that just creates a whole nother set of risk. By doing that, you kind of avoid at least the few first steps. Another that a lot of individuals aren't aware of, but is a great source if it's available, the United States Postal office, they offer informed delivery. Mm. And what that means is, and somehow as many issues as the postal service has, they figured out a way, and it's a free service that allows you to see the images of your mail daily. So really you can look and see, well, this is what's coming and then you can see what you get. And if there's a disconnect between the two, meaning that you know, you're expecting to see several bills and there's a few days that go by after you see the images, uh, you need to probably follow up and see where they are. That is actually interesting. That's a good. That's a good service to opt into. As a matter of fact. Yeah, and and then and then another consideration is as you're going through your mail, if you see any unusual mail, and what I mean by that is an example would be a piece of mail from a credit card company thanking you for applying for credit. You know, mm. that obviously clearly means that someone has gotten your information <laughs> uh, because you know someone's applied in your name. Uh, and then, you know, finally, the most important, one of the most important things that I think preserve can preserve your sanity with the mail in general is kind of, as I mentioned before, using the opt out for pre-screen credit offers, you know, and this was set up by an act of Congress that forces the credit bureaus to set up a website. And the website is www.optoutscreen.com. And this allows the consumer to go come in to the website and request not to receive any credit card and insurance offers. And this really helps to cut down on the clutter and really avoids it falling into wrong hands. Give me that website again. Sure. It's www.optoutscreen.com. Optoutscreen.com. Yes. I did not. No, and, you, that and you can you can go to it. The one thing I'll say is it, it asks you whether you want it to be temporary or permanent. Uh, I wouldn't know too many people that want, would want it temporary. It's you know you really want to make it permanent yeah. so you avoid getting all these offers in the mail from the you know whether it be insurance offers or credit offers. It really cuts down on the overall mail that you get, and it really prevents identity thieves and the wrong people getting into the wrong hands of these offers. Yeah. What's the last point, Jeff? The final point would be, you know, any documents that have your name, address, and any personal identifiable information to your family, you want to make sure that you shred. The other part about shredding is you want to make sure it's a cross-cutting technology device that you're just not shredding where somebody can easily put the document mm -hmm. right back together. Uh, and then, you know, finally, one of the pieces that a lot of people forget about are devices. You know, they, you may have a laptop and you're finished with it. It's not working as well. And you just hand it over, you know, you, you reset it, but then you hand it over to your children to use. Well, you know, there's a lot of cases where that can actually have your information still on it. So it's important to have those devices shredded and you want to make sure the company that you request the shredding from is a certified company. So mm -hmm. you really reduce your risk there as well. Oh, yeah. That's not something I think about at all. The one thing I do think about that, that seems, again, rather obvious is every time I go on my phone and I look down at my Wi-Fi, I see my Wi-Fi and I see all of my neighbors' Wi-Fi's as well, and you know, an indication of whether they're locked or not locked. Yeah, and this gets into the final point, 
you want to manage you and your family's Wi-Fi and internet access. Yeah. As you kind of mentioned, one of the good steps or first steps is not if you know if if you're if you're the Smith family, you don't want to make that your Wi-Fi username. You know, wouldn't make it something that an outsider wouldn't know that it's actually your home. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's really the first step. You know, the second really would be to make sure that you don't just provide your Wi-Fi password uh, to just anyone. You know, if yeah. you have someone that's getting in there that has to set, you know, whether they're setting up a, a new inner, you know, a new cable, new, they have to get in there and they have to get access. You want to make sure that when, if you give them access to that, that you change the password immediately thereafter. Yeah. Or even, you know, if you have family members, you, you just, it's important to be active and make sure that you update the password so that no one can get access to that. Because, you know, if, if someone has access, they could literally be sitting outside of your house just looking at your activity on your computer and looking at your username and passwords and really putting your, you know, you really put yourself and your family at risk if you don't have it set up properly. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Do you see a lot of ad, uh, ads these days for VPNs? Are yeah, those, I, are those all they're cracked up to be? They, they can, they can be very helpful. It's a, that's a virtual private network. And okay. there's a lot of companies that offer that, but essentially it gives you a secure browsing network. So, you know, if you're in a Starbucks or Panera or you're at a hotel, the VPN allows you to browse in most cases securely. Uh, it's still a good idea, obviously, not to go on to websites where your, you know, your bank and other information when you're using public Wi-Fi, even with a VPN, yeah. but the VPN certainly provides an extra layer of security. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I just to kind of tie two thoughts together. We're talking about the Wi-Fi and sharing passwords and stuff, and then worrying about password security. I think one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most, and we seem to be headed there really fast, is uh, tech companies are really anxious to do away with the password. Yes, and and you know, what they're going towards are biometric biometrics, fingerprints, and two-factor authentication as part of you know maybe still putting in the password, but having a couple extra layers on top of that, uh -huh. just to further validate that it's actually the end user and not an identity thief or someone that's trying to compromise the person's information. Yeah. Well, to, just to wrap all of this up, Jeff, none of this is really hard, is it? It's not really hard separately. Where it becomes hard is actually having it all set up and working all together. And it kind of goes back to what I mentioned before. It's a process. It's not something you can expect to do in, in one weekend. Yeah. You know, it's important. And, you know, there, as I mentioned before, even with ch if children to find out if there's a credit file and to freeze their credit, there's a several, there's a bunch of extra steps, but the steps are well worth it to reduce the risk and cost if there is a, a, a violation and there's an issue where you have to go back and try to fix it. Yeah. And I would, I would add, it's not just a process. It's also a mindset. Correct. And it, you, it's always, you have to think about it and say, it's kind of like, you know, I use the example now with the way the world is, you always want to, if you know, you're getting your, if you're leaving a, a grocery store or a shopping mall, you always probably want to look around to make sure there's no one suspicious. It's the same yep. way with your, uh, your technology and your electronic footprint. Uh, you want to make sure you handle it the same way. Makes total sense to me. Absolutely. So this is an interesting conversation for those people who are like, like maybe driving in their car at the moment while they listen to this stuff. Is there a place they can go, Jeff, in terms of like kind of following up on the things that we've been talking about or? 
Sure. I, mean, I have some of the information on my website. Again, if there's a follow-up saying, you know, I'm not exactly sure of the process, you know, I have questions about how do I, how do I freeze my child's credit? You yeah. know, as I mentioned, there's a few extra steps or, you know, you may say, well, what is that website again, the opt-out screen or annual credit report? You know, feel free. You can always reach out via email or via phone. Uh, and I can try to provide the information and answer any questions. Wait, what's a good phone number or what's the website, Jeff? Sure, it's uh, 770-420-88210. And my website is balancewealthpartners.com. Fantastic. Viewers, thank you for listening. We appreciate you taking the time to do so. I know you probably most likely, certainly, absolutely found this useful. Take action on it. Don't just listen, do something about it. Uh, one of the things you can do immediately uh, is you can hit the subscribe button and subscribe to this podcast. That way you won't miss another update or another edition of Jeff's podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. On behalf of Jeff and everybody at Balance of Wealth Partners, I'm Bill Tucker reminding you to go out and make it a great day or not. It's your choice. Take care. Thank you for listening to Between Life and Money, Finding Balance. Visit our website at balancewealthpartners.com. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrated purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Jeffrey Panic. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor, private client services, Balance Wealth Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.